Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insight Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who'll be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business both now and in the future. I'm your host, Chloe Redfern from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. The pandemic has forced change across the world of work. And now that global businesses have had time to adapt, leaders have the opportunity to look ahead and drive innovation as they navigate the new normal. Today, I'll be chatting with Hayes CFO, Paul Venables. Paul will be discussing how the pandemic has impacted upon his role and outlook as a finance leader and giving us his advice for CFOs in the future. Paul, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Hi, Chloe. To kick off, it would be great if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and explain a little bit about your role at Hayes. Yeah, Chloe, I'd be happy to. Uh, I'm Paul Venables, CFO of Hayes PLC. Hayes is the world's largest and most diversified white-collar recruitment business with 11,500 colleagues operating in 33 countries around the world. And every year we help around 300,000 people find their next job. We're a FTSE 250 listed company and our annual turnover is about six billion pounds. I'm one of the two executive directors who run the global business. And while I have functional responsibility for finance and investor relations, an important part of my role is supporting Alistair Cox, our group CEO, both determining the strategy for Hayes and driving the operational performance of the group through our regional management teams. Part of that, I review and approve all significant commercial contracts with our customers on a global basis. Could you talk us through a, a, a very brief history of your career to date? It'd be great to understand how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I started with Deloitte in 1983, a long time ago, and spent eight years with them, four in the UK in Nottingham and four in the US based in Boston. I'm both US, UK and US qualified. I had a very career with Deloitte with extensive audits, M&A and consultancy work across a variety of industries. When I left the firm, I was a senior manager in the US practice. In 1992, I then joined a logistics company called Ocean Group, which over time through acquisitions became Excel PLC, then one of the world's largest full-service logistics businesses, providing contract logistics, air freight, sea freight, and road transport in over 140 countries around the world. I was at Excel for 14 years and did 14 roles, both in finance and operations. I started at Group Center as a group financial analyst working on M&A, capital projects, and group reporting, before moving into one of the businesses, joining McGregor Corey, the UK and European contract logistics business as a commercial finance manager. And then after two years, I became FD. In this role, I learned many of the key aspects of being a finance director, including financial processes, billing, payroll, credit control, and managing a finance team of 100 people in six countries, as well as being an active member of the management team. I then moved to be FD of the largest group division, MSCS, a global air freight and sea freight business, based in 140 countries around the world. And here I focused on building a strong finance team to drive the transformation of the finance function, setting up regional shared service centers around the world to drive efficiencies and best practice. Then relatively uniquely as a finance professional, I then moved into operations. Initially as a CEO of our technology and life science logistics division based in the UK and Benelux. I then project managed all aspects of the building of the first modern contract logistics facility in Penang in Malaysia. 
and later I ran our global air freight and sea freight operations, including procurement. Finally, I moved back into the group as Deputy Group Finance Director in charge of the global finance function, commercial projects and M&A, until we sold the business to DHL for 3.7 million in 2005. Then in 2006, I joined Hayes as Group Finance Director, and I've been actively involved in all aspects of the global transformation of our business over the last 15 years. Paul, a varied career, a huge wealth of experience drawn. I'd, I'd really be interested in uh, in your opinion. We're, we're sat here today, almost two years into the COVID-19 crisis. From your perspective, how has Hayes as a business been impacted by the pandemic? It's actually hard to remember pre-pandemic, isn't it? I think like many businesses, the impact on pandemic on Hayes has been dramatic and on three levels. Firstly, on trading, fees fell by 37% within six weeks after the pandemic hit in March 2020, the fastest decline in activity by far in our 53-year history. It then stabilised in May 2020, and since November 2020, we've seen the strongest recovery in activity in our history, and the hottest permanent recruitment market, both globally, including the UK, in the last 20 years. Secondly, in operations, including finance, we instantly moved within a week at the end of March 2020 from being a business that was in the office most of the time and did most of its business face to face to being one that can fully function working from home all of the time to then increasingly over the last year, finding a middle ground of hybrid working as the business starts to return to some form of predictable rhythm. At the same time, we're very proud that in the 12 months after the pandemic started, we helped almost 250,000 people find their next job. And 80% of them were interviewed, agreed terms, resigned from their existing job and started their new job all remotely. A significant change in the market and our business model. And in the finance function, we're very proud that during the pandemic, we paid 65,000 contractors and temps every week accurately and on time. And we collected £120 million of cash every week. And then finally, and most importantly, we found a way to try and look after our employees, work with them and train them and support them through the most difficult of times. Paul, as you mentioned, you've held multiple leadership positions in, in different organisations. How does this compare to, to other crises you've experienced over the course of your career so far? Yeah, look, I think the main difference uh, in leading a business through a pandemic versus, say, the 2008 financial crash when I was always at Hay also at Hayes is on three levels. First, I think on a personal level, it was a global health crisis with people being ill and dying around the world and all of us concerned about our own families and our colleagues. Secondly, the sheer speed of the collapse in business activity, in part driven by the unprecedented state lockdown of many aspects of business and society, and the uncertainty about how long it would last and how bad it would mean made it was in many respects a quite scary time. And thirdly, the instant remove to working remotely, whether that would work effectively and efficiently, would any clients have demand for our, our services? Without doubt, it was also, though, one of the most exhilarating times in my career. One of the unique times where you can get to use all the skills you developed over 40 years in business all at the same time and at extreme pace. Pre-COVID, what, what did a normal day look like in your role as Group Finance Director for a global business? 
Yeah, I think fortunately, I'm not sure I've ever had a normal <laughs> group FD. But most days, like a lot of people, I catch up with a couple of my key team members. I'll have discussions with Alistair, the CEO, and other senior members of the business. I attend business reviews with the regions and main countries and deal with any important commercial issues that arise. And how has that normal changed as a result of the crisis? Yeah, I think the main difference is, is where I do the work. Pre-pandemic, I travelled 12 weeks a year overseas during face-to-face review meetings with our major businesses around the world, travelling frequently to Germany, France, Australia, US, China, Brazil. And then the other meetings and reviews were mainly by conference calls. Whilst now, like all of us, and perhaps like IT professionals have always been, most of my meetings, uh, other than the meetings with my direct reports, are via Teams. And I definitely miss the personal contacts um, with the teams around the world. But interestingly, as we move, we hope, into a more unrestricted world uh, over the next year, I'd only expect to be abroad six weeks of the year going forward. So I think we've all learned ways to work efficiently using different methodologies. That's that's quite a big change going from from 12 to to six weeks, sort of looking ahead, a a 50% reduction in travel. It's significant. What what lessons have you personally learned as a as a finance leader since the start of the pandemic? You know, in many respects, it's just reiterated the importance of your team. I think the pandemic has has just stated the importance of surrounding yourself with a great team of people in all the key roles, which for me include the group financial controller, regional and country FDs, and the heads of tax, treasury, internal audit, and investor relations. You can't do it all yourself. And the more complex and the greater the size of the business you are as a CFO, uh, the better the team you need around you. You know, business is a team activity. And then I think the difference for us as Hayes, as a senior team, if I compare 2020 versus 2008, is that we went into the pandemic with a top quality team around the world. We were really happy with the team we had. Whereas in 2008, I only joined in 2006, Alison joined in 2007. There were still a few members of the team that we weren't sure were going to make it. And I have to tell you, it is one of the greatest things in this pandemic is being surrounded by that calibre of management team. It actually made us making hard decisions quickly much easier. What impacts, positive and negative, do you think working remotely or, or in a hybrid way has had on finance teams and CFOs? Yeah, I think um, on the positive side of it, one of the things that struck me specifically early on was just the teamwork and the extra effort given by the global finance team, especially during the start of the crisis. In the first three to six months, was the performance was excellent. And the team performance exceeded our expectations. Everybody really went the extra mile. They knew that this was an unprecedented situation. And I think they did a superb job. And for example, At a time when you might have thought it was difficult to get cash out of our customers, we achieved consistently record low DSOs over the last 18 months. On the negatives, and it's kind of a negative with a positive at the end, perhaps. After that initial period and the energy that everybody had working remotely in crisis management, the feedback we got from our teams is that they increasingly felt felt isolated working fully from home and finding it impossible or very difficult to switch off from when am I working and when am I, you know, when when am I on my personal life. And that's actually the move to scheduled hybrid working, where you're in the office with the teams two to three days a week, but also 
working from home. It was face-to-face teamwork on one side and transfer of best practice, but also the benefits of home working and better home life balance. So perhaps this negative actually is becoming a positive as we look at the next three to five years. Paula, I have to ask for anyone unfamiliar with the acronym DSOs. Yeah, sorry, Days Sales Outstanding. So it's really how quickly do we collect the cash? Wonderful. The world of work has changed enormously. Do you think it's become increasingly important for you, for your teams to, to continue to learn and upskill? I think continuous learning and upskilling is a vital way of keeping yourself current and relevant. And actually, therefore, if you don't do that, at some point in time, you're going to be behind the pace, whether it's technology, accounting standards or changes in legislation. We try and encourage all of our teams to take half a day a month to stay current. And that includes me. So I try to take, you know, perhaps a Friday afternoon towards the end of the month when I'm pretty tired. And I'll catch up on, you know, on a, on, a, on a video, on a new standard or a new form of technology. I think that just keeps you fresh as well. I think I think you just answered my next question, which is how do you make this a, a priority, particularly when when teams are busy, when when the, the pace of work is so fast, but it seems like it's it's carving out time for it. I think it's carving out time. And then the other thing which is interesting at the moment is whilst the day-to-day operations were really, really good during the pandemic, it worked efficiently. What's fascinating as well, reflecting on your earlier question, is, you know, as we move into a process of, of improvement and innovation, how we need teams together. And we need teams that have got current skills. So I think it's vital to make sure that you can do a great job. Will CFOs and their teams become even more fundamental in driving growth, change and innovation for their organisations in the future? I actually think a strong commercial CFO and finance team has always played an important role in helping drive growth, uh, innovation and change. Today, that role is enhanced, I think, because of the importance of data. I mean, part of the secret source for any successful finance professional to today and tomorrow is the ability to systemise and automate the collection collation of vital and accurate operational and financial data that can be sliced and diced and then to interpret it and present it to key operators to enable them to make faster and smarter decision making. And quite frankly, you didn't have the technology to do that 40 years ago. Whereas today, you've got a real ability, even a complex business like Hayes in 33 countries to look at summaries at one level, but enable operators to drill right down to information that is valuable in them deciding how they run their businesses. Do you think automation and, and technology will, will radically impact or, or change the finance function in the future? Look, I think the use of smart technology is absolutely critical in driving efficiencies through automation or elimination of manual tasks. You know, as part of continuously reducing the cost of transactional finance. So I think that's been the case for a long time. But as the use of AI specifically develops, which is relatively new technology over the next five to 10 years, many of the non-value added, non-personal processes will be automated. But again, this has the real benefit as it has over the last 10, 20 years of freeing up time for skilled finance professionals to focus their time on analysis and decision-making. But for finance professionals to do that, they've really got to stay current on technology. As we mentioned at the start of the podcast, you have a, have a wealth of experience. Over the course of your career, how, how has the role of CFO changed so far? Look, over, over my uh, this 
feels like an ancient history, but over my <laughs> 38 years in finance and 25 years as an FD, the role has changed in many ways, and I'd almost just identify perhaps four. Firstly, the business has become more global with lower margins, the need for much faster decision-making, the needs for businesses to become more efficient to survive, and the exponential growth in technology, data, and product choice. But there are some parts of a successful CFO that haven't changed. The importance of having a real feel for trading trends in the business and numbers, of building a strong team, of accurate and timely payroll and financials, and the ability to collect cash on a timely basis. These are as vital today as they were when I started. A fundamental difference versus now versus um, 20, 30 years ago is just the pace and change of technology. And that's how finance teams perform their role has been revolutionized and continues to change on a rapid basis. It's also that helped to automate so many financial processes and the production of financial data itself. You know, today, month ends are done in two to five days. Whereas when I started, you were lucky to have it done in 20 to 25. Wow, that's a, just such a radical change of pace. Has, uh, has COVID accelerated this, this change? Yeah, I think what it's done is it made most businesses have to go back to first principles and think again. You know, COVID's brought the ability and more importantly, the belief that many processes can be done efficiently or remotely. And that leads to the obvious question, as my Australian FD said about a year ago now. If the task can be performed efficiently from Bondi Beach, it can also be done from Manila. And therefore, for all finance functions, which aspects of the business should be done in country, regionally or globally in lower cost shared service centres? And whilst that debate has been around for 25 years, it's probably more in the headlights today. My own view is that the greater degree of technical knowledge needed around a role and personal contact in a role, the more local those roles will always be. If you're in credit control, if you're in payroll, that knowledge is incredibly important in country. And I think that's likely to stay as well as decision support. But the less technical knowledge needed, the less personal contact, the more admin based, then the more global it can be done. And I think most companies will reevaluate their finance functions under this lens over the next five years. Obviously, it's, it's not just your role or the role of your department, but have the, the, the roles reporting into you and, and those functions that report into you, have you seen those change as well over the years? Funny, if the roles are pretty much still the same, but the importance of technology and data has increased, and therefore you can't be an effective finance professional without being of very strong technical abilities. And also all finance teams, this is a little bit like all marketing teams now, it's all about data marketing. For all finance teams, we've all got data analysts in the teams and that role well, hadn't been invented 20 years ago. Has the, the CFL role, has it become, in your opinion, more cross-functional or, or cross-departmental? Yeah, I think because faster decision-making has been modus operandi now for the last five, 10 years, businesses have had to become more connected. The need for a CFO to work closely in tandem, whether operational, IT, HR, colleagues has increased in importance. And then finally, and, and I hate to end this section on a negative, but one of the other largest changes to finance teams over the last 25 years has been the sheer increase in admin burden and corporate governance imposed on business by governments around the world. And unfortunately, I don't see that trend reversing. No, you think that, that trend is here to stay? I think so. 
As we as we look towards growth and recovery, what are the top three strategic priorities that you're focused on right now as the CFO of, as you mentioned, a global business? Yeah, first, in the business itself, I mean, Hayes' largest recruitment specialism, which represents more than a quarter of our business, is in technology. And we're a, a number two global player in that specialism. Our number one strategic priority is to double the size of our technology business over the next five years. And that would improve our pre-pandemic profits alone, just if we achieve that in technology, by more than £100 million. And I and my team are determined to play a leading role in making this happen. Then secondly, as part of the finance function, we've established a global project to look at all aspects of our major financial processes globally and make sure that they're as efficiently as possible, as I explained earlier, in a post-pandemic world. And, and that's certainly my second priority. And then finally, this is kind of always one of the three. Uh, the focus is always on strength and depth of the finance team and to ensure that we continue to provide a challenging, motivating and rewarding career path globally to continue to develop our talent. And it is this these team members who continue to ensure that we can offer a great service to all of our stakeholders in the business. This is both a passion for me personally and also a stated strategy. For those listeners who are, are hearing you talk or who think that this might be a career path for them, who, who perhaps even aspire to become a CFO one day, what, what advice would you share with them to, to help them get there? I think, first of all, don't look too far ahead and focus on what skills that, what, that I'm, I don't have the same level of skills as, as a CFO in my business today. I think first, try and ensure early in your career that you're working for people you respect and you can learn from and ask to get as much experience as possible. Working payroll or credit control month-end processes so you know how important the basics are. If there's a shared service centre abroad, go and do a stint in that shared service centre. Work on projects even more if they're on a global basis and work with projects that where you're working with colleagues from different departments. You start to get a really good network and understanding for the business you're in today. Secondly, you'll learn many of the most important lessons in your first finance director role. And ideally try and make sure you've got a supportive MD and also somebody uh, with a finance background who can mentor you, perhaps somebody who you, know, you worked with 5, 10, 15 years ago that you'd value their opinion. Throw yourself fully into the role. Don't be afraid to make decisions, focus on the people, and equally don't dwell too much when you make mistakes. And reiterating what I said earlier on, you know, the third point, the bigger the role, the more important it is, not just to surround yourself with great people, but also to remove any cultural assassins in a business and poor performers who are not prepared to change. You know, a strong team is the best guarantee that you'll be successful. And then finally, don't just bring your skill, energy and organisation to role, bring humour. Because if you think about it, we spend 40 to 70 hours at work a week. And getting to know your team, showing that you're human and using humour is vital to ensure connection with the team, building a positive culture and an improved performance. I, I could not agree with you more on the importance of humour and a bond in the workplace. I think you're absolutely right. We, we spend a large part of our of our weeks and certainly our lives. And if that can be enjoyable, then you've got a, a committed team. And even more now, because, you know, if we're not careful over the last 
18 months, some culture of the business can start to break. You know, for example, we had an office get-together, let's call it a get-together last Thursday, uh, pre the new restrictions coming in, etc. And just the energy you got from everybody in the room being together, able to talk to their friends and colleagues, you know, that's an important part. Celebrating success is an important part of building and maintaining a culture. And I think post-pandemic is absolutely vital as part of, of, of maintaining and, and uh, creating a successful finance team. Absolutely. I, you've already given a, a wealth of really good advice there, but would you have anything specifically for, for someone who's perhaps started out in their first CFO role and, and how they can make a, a strong initial impact? Well, we're not just going to give some help, Chloe. We'll also give them a video they can watch. So increasingly, we're recording a video series in January about what it takes to be a successful finance director. And the second video is all about how to make a successful impact as a new CFO in your first 90 days. So a 60-second snapshot. In summary, are the financials accurate and timely? Do you have enough cash and facilities at the bank? Evaluating the strength and depth of the finance team. Do the finance processes work efficiently? Investing time with the key operators in the business to get a clear understanding of their strategic priorities and also how they view the finance team. Visit as many locations and departments in the business as possible. Walk the floor, talk to the people at the coalface in an organisation and meet customers. And then with that knowledge across a business, start to develop a clear, concise, prioritised plan, ideally no longer than two sides of paper of what you want to do and take the CEO through the plan. So you'll need their support and investment. And then when the plan is agreed, decide on the key people roles, communicate the plan with the team, and then execute in the right priority order. And if this is of interest to you and you're starting a new role, I suggest you watch the five-minute video, which will cover these points in greater detail when we issue in February. Thanks, Paul. And for any of our listeners who are keen to check out either the first video in the series or part two, which is coming in January, we'll include a link to that in the show notes to this episode. Paul, uh, as we wrap up, I would I would like to end on a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. What do you think are the top three qualities that make a good leader? And crucially, do you think these qualities have changed as a result of the pandemic? Uh, first, I think good judgment. And what do I mean by that? I mean a sound and balanced business judgment. Secondly, and people. A good instinct for people and a strong belief in developing them and building a strong team. And third, creative drive. The ability to spot trends, drive the business forward to exploit them. And the good news is these are important today, post-pandemic, as they were before, and there will be in 20 years' time. Some excellent advice there, Paul. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak to me today. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please don't forget to check out other episodes of the Hayes Leadership Insight podcast or one of the other podcasts in our series. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insight podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email, socialmedia at haze.com.